Just allow your body to relax. Find a posture that allows you to feel that your back is lifted up, straight. Work with your body. You know what your, your, your straight may be different from somebody else's straight. Do you want to be lifted up? Maybe roll your shoulders back. Really feel how that can help you feel lifted up. <clears throat> Let your hands just rest in your lap. Palms can be up or down. Just make sure your hands aren't clenched. Let your, let your palms be open. Close your eyes. If you, you don't have to close your eyes, but we tend to do that in this tradition. If you need to keep your eyes open, just let your gaze uh, be lowered to the, to the floor about five or six feet in front of you. Now just be with your breath. Each in-breath and each out-breath. Be aware of your breath as it comes in and out of your nostrils, just in that area just below your nostrils, your upper lip, and just around your nostrils. Now just relax again, relax the body as you just be with your breath. On each exhale, let your shoulders drop a little. can do a very quick body scan. This can help you see if your body is relaxed or if you're carrying tension or stress. You can do it slower or faster, depending on how much time you have. It can be a total meditation. But just move from the top of your head slowly down You're just being aware of your skin, your bones, your flesh, all of your physical body. So move from the top of your head slowly down, being aware of any pressure or tension, if you have the beginnings of a headache. And if there is any tightness you feel or pain or pressure, You can always imagine breathing into that spot and then releasing on the exhale. So notice tension in your face, maybe around your eyes or down in your jaw. Loosen the tightness in your jaw just by leaving a little tiny bit of space between 
your upper row of teeth and the bottom. Let that lower jaw just drop a fraction. Move down into your neck. See if your head feels nice and balanced. And down into your shoulders. We're going to do both shoulders at once. Again, on the out-breath, let the shoulders drop. Move down into your upper arms. Your lower arms. And again, we're just watching. We're, We're aware of the body and then noticing where you carry tension. See if we can let some of that go. Then move into your hands. Out through your fingers. Now come back to your upper chest. You can feel your breath in your upper chest, but we want most of that breathing to be, hopefully, down closer to your belly instead of in the upper chest. That's usually uh, anger or fear. You're breathing just in the top of your chest. So then move down through your chest. Past your heart. The stomach. And the abdomen. A lot of us have difficulties with that digestive tract. We hold a lot of tension there. So it's good, too, if you can feel your breath in your belly, if you can feel the breath as you inhale, the belly moves out a bit, and as you exhale, it contracts. Move down into your lower abdomen, your genital area, your hips, your seat. Try to find a comfortable position that you can sit in that doesn't create pain. Move down into your upper legs. Through your knees. Down into your lower legs. Your ankles. And down into your feet. You might want to move your feet a little bit, wiggle your toes. Then just come back to the breath.
Now direct some good thoughts, thoughts of kindness and friendliness to yourself. When we practice loving kindness, we always begin with ourselves. Develop a sense of friendliness towards yourself. Gradually learn to become your best friend. May I be well. May I feel safe in the world. May I be content and even happy, experiencing joy. And may I live in peace, peace within myself and peace in the world. If you don't love yourself, if you have feelings of self-hatred or you just uh, can't, you just don't think you can become kind or compassionate towards yourself, you can keep your practice right at this level for as long as you need to. May I be well, may I be content and happy May I be peaceful, and may I live in peace. But the more we begin to be kind and loving and friendly to ourselves, the more we want to share this, to send it out to others. So when you feel ready to do that, we move out first to our loved ones, usually family members, dear friends, can be our noble friends. So people you feel very sure that you have, that you love, care about them. May my loved ones be well. May they be content and enjoy happiness and joy. May they feel safe in the world. And may they be at peace. at peace with themselves and at peace with the world. Move out further 
from your loved ones where you have more confidence in your relationship with and think of challenging people in your life people you may tend to argue with people you have a hard time with maybe just people who you don't like or who who don't like you and just send this loving kindness to them as well may I see my difficult person as someone just like me ups and downs may my difficult person be well may they be content and have times of happiness and joy may they feel safe in the world may they live in peace with themselves and with the world Now just allow this quality of loving-kindness, loving-friendliness, to just radiate out from you. Just let it extend out to include all living beings, human, non-human, all the animals we love and the animals we've never even seen or can all beings near and far, below us and above us. Human beings and non-human beings. May they be free from suffering and the causes for suffering. free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger and thirst. May all beings everywhere be able to care for themselves or be cared for lovingly by others. And may all beings everywhere live in peace. just come back to your breath
Be aware of everything coming into you through your sense doors. We include our mind as a sense, our brains. So be aware of your thoughts and smells and taste and your sense of touch. And then just let it go. Be aware of it, the essence of the sound. Be aware of the thoughts. We're not trying to reject anything, but we're not getting attached to it. We're not hanging on to it, making stories out of it. So you can allow your thoughts to just, if they're just coming against your will, that's okay. But just let them, watch them and observe them uh, come into your head. And if we don't feed those thoughts with our attention, they will just eventually go away. We don't need to make the the thoughts into stories. We don't need to track down the source of every sound. Just notice sound. So be aware of each breath and relax the body again.
as we end this practice. May everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all living beings. Thank you. So let's chant. If you Is anybody here new today? So all of you are, you know, about the chanting. Namo tase bhagavato arehato sama sambudase Namo tase bhagavato arehato sama sambudase Namo tase bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambudase Utan Sarenangachami Daman Sarenangachami Sangan Sarenangachami Lutiampi Budan Sarenang Gachami Lutiyampi Dhamang Sarenang Gachami Lutiyampi Sangang Sarenang Gachami Tatiyampi Budang Sarenang Gachami Tatiyampi Dhamang Sarenam Gachami Tatiyampi Sangam Sarenam Gachami Anicca Vata Sankara Upadevaya Dhammino Upajitwa nirujanti Pesan upa samosuko Sape sata avera hontu Sape sata apyapaja Sape Sata Anika Hontu Sape Sata Sukiyatanam Pariharantu Mano Pupangematama Mano Seta Mano Manasate Padutena Vasatiwa Karotiwa Tato Nanduka Manweti Manasache Pasanena Vasatiwa Karotiwa Tato Nam Sukha Manweti Chayawe Anapayini Mind is the forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a corrupted mind one should either speak or act, suffering follows caused by that, as does the wheel follow the ox's hoof.
Mind is forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a clear and confident mind, one should either speak or act, happiness follows caused by that, as one shadow that never leaves. We believe in generosity towards others. We believe the skillful, noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice, and this practice allows us to become more open, accepting, and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct way of healing division, bringing joy, and nurturing the spiritual community for years to come. My wish, may I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Wimala, and uh, I'm doing the talk today. And I'm doing the talk on silence, so I'm having to talk about silence. So that's a little bit of a dilemma in itself. Um, I, I became interested in silence just uh, for 14 years. I've been co-leading a, a weekend meditation retreat meditation and yoga, and the title is Moving into Silence. And so we only talk the first evening, and then everything is silent until uh, the end of the retreat. And it's gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of years of uh, changes, because a lot of the same people come back. So you know at first it's very hard for most people to eat silently, at a table with other people, you know, our natural, we're, we're naturally social that way. And they think, I can't do it, you know, I can't, or I can't be silent, I can't do this. And uh, most people make it, I mean, it's not, we talk, so they hear, they hear our, my voice and the yoga teacher's voice if I do a Dhamma talk or in leading meditation. But we, we try to keep everything else quiet in the retreat center you have to be silent on the floors where your bedroom, the bedrooms are. So there's some silence in the building, and there are often other silent retreats. But um, there's always stuff we learn about silence every time. Every time you have that experience, and uh, so that's kind of a constant in my life. Uh, but I was there was something that came out a paper on. The, the Buddha in silence, and I was really intrigued by it. And uh, it was about the different ways silence is used in the Buddha's teachings, and that the Buddha used, and, and how he used it. So there are lots that I'm not going to cover in our short time. But uh, the Buddha, the, Buddha one, the one that I, I, I think of the most, it comes to my mind first, is that the Buddha often used silence uh, if someone asked him a question, and he his silence was was uh, was very significant because he had he said there were unanswerable questions, and that if we there were there's a set of eight is it a set of eight, and if and if we if he ever tried to answer that question, the question is so is so much deeper than we can imagine. 
there's so many, there's so much more than what we have the capability of even knowing that there can't be an answer for those questions. Sometimes people would ask the Buddha the question, you know, it might often be just because he was a wise teacher and they, they decided he would probably have the answer. Or they would be from other schools of philosophy and other spiritual teachers who would want, want to kind of catch the Buddha making a mistake or say something that then they could argue and debate was not whether it was yes or no. They could argue the other side. So one of those questions is, uh, well, does, does a Tathagata, does a Buddha, uh, did they exist before and are they going to exist after they die? And another one is, is there, is, is there a soul or is there not? Um, what are, do you, you remember the others? They're, they're... Is time infinite or not? Is space infinite or not? Is body um, and self one and the same or two different things? <laughs> Does the uh, unenlightened person have a remainder after they die or do they not? Or do they both have one and not? Or they neither have one or not? Yeah, they were tip, and so they were typical questions that were being debated all the time during the Buddhist period. And so, when he would be asked that question, his response would be silence. And when he talked to his students about it, he explained to them, you know, the so the, some of the when they talk about this is this the body and the self. That's the one about the soul, because there was debate about uh, an un, is there an unchanging entity that's part of us, you know, is there something that doesn't change? And of course the Buddha said that all all conditioned things, all things made up of other things, uh, that we're, we're impermanent. That's part of the nature of it. So we understand in the Buddhist teachings the impermanence of all things. And uh, that's just the nature. And so the, the concept of a soul at that time, and for a lot of people today, that concept of a soul was something that never changed. So the Buddha said, a soul or a self, we call it, uh, that's, that changes all the time too. Everything is in the process of changing all the time. And it's just the law of physics, you know, is everything is, there's nothing solid the way we see it. It's all just the movement, whatever it's made up of, is all in movement, so it, what we see is not what is necessarily real. And so he didn't answer those questions because there was, there was more depth to them and more levels of understanding than we, we would, we, it would be kind of a constant debate either way. So his response was silence. There were other times when uh, he would be silent, and it might be, a, uh, it could either be sometimes a sign of approval, sometimes a sign of disapproval. So if, uh, if some of his students would come and ask him simple questions like, uh, can I sit by you, can, you know, if, after they bowed to him, uh, he, might, he would usually not say anything, like then they would come and take their seat. So there were certain times when it was uh, just there wasn't any need for an answer, and it was it was known. And then we talk about, uh, and actually, I didn't know this until I read about it in this this uh, academic paper, that Shakyamuni, which is the Buddha's name, that's his. It actually means the silent one, or, and I didn't know that silence was part of that. Um, but we think of noble silence and that con that idea of noble silence when when the Buddha would be have huge groups of students a lot of the other teachers during that period of the other spiritual teachers there when their students would get together they'd all be talking and they'd be debating with each other and they'd be having conversations and were pretty noisy, and when the when the Buddhist students were with him, 
they all sat silently. And uh, that was unusual. So it would even be, it would even, there's a, there's a story of a king, and it was a king, it, well, he had killed his father to become king earlier than he would have. But he was, uh, when he, someone told him they were going to visit the Buddha, and uh, he was really guilty after he kind of realized killing his father, had, what a bad thing that was. But someone was telling him they were going to, they'd go to the Buddha because he had, I think that was when he had King uh, Ajata Sutta. His name changes in the suttas. But he was, uh, he'd had some bad dreams. He wanted to go talk to someone. So his advisors took him to see the Buddha. And the Buddha was with a group of these numbers might just be numbers to mean a huge group of people, but the numbers are, are quoted as 1,250 monks or, and nuns are sitting with the Buddha. And the king was afraid that it was this, that there was there were warriors waiting to attack him because he was afraid all the time at that period in his life. But uh, that couldn't be this a big group of a, a spiritual teacher's students because they would be noisy. They would definitely be noisy. So the quiet at, and at nighttime, uh, the king got really frightened and thought that it was a trap from his enemies and there were soldiers waiting to, to uh, capture him. And instead it was the Buddha talking to his, to, or just being, sitting with his monks. And so that's when we think of noble silence, that's one of the stories that that will come to mind. Um, so we think of noble silence when we're in the, when we're in the Dhamma hall, and we always try to have noble silence in this room, even if even if we don't have a, a group here. And when we you know you notice it'll get real noisy out in this the social area where there's no wall, but then people come in here and once they sit down, it's that uh, the it's easier to become quiet because this is what this space is for is that noble silence um, I don't think I, I thinking about other religions I don't know if Buddhism is uh, embraces silence anymore or less I thought at first oh yeah because we meditate so that's often it's a quiet activity but I think other uh, religions have prayer and they have centering prayer which is really the in contemplation, which is the same, pretty much the same as meditation. They have music, we have chanting. So I don't know, I don't know on balance, uh, I don't know if we're necessarily quieter. It, it probably seems like it to most of us because we don't have uh, like instrumental music and things like that when, you, when we come in. So. But that silence is uh, uh, can be good, and sometimes when the Buddha wouldn't answer or he was silenced, it was it, it could mean approval or disapproval. But it was pretty obvious which it would be with him. But um, there were there are other times for us. The Buddha's example is a beautiful one to follow, because sometimes we use silence to kind of keep quiet when we may not, when we, when we probably should say something. So there are times when silence isn't good, when we need to speak, speak up and speak, speak our truths. And one of the examples uh, was if, if someone does Dhamma talks, say a monk does a Dhamma talk, and if everybody just keeps telling, this is in, and everybody keeps telling him or her uh, that that the talks. Oh, that's wonderful! Your talk's just wonderful. The the Buddha's uh, response was, "Well, then that person never knows if they're a good, if they're ta- if, if they may do terrible talks. But if everybody just says what they think that person wants to hear, if it's to the monk, if they they they'll never get better. They'll never improve their talks, or they they'll wonder why." Fewer and fewer people come to listen to them, and uh, I, I laughed at that example because I thought, yeah, that's 
true. We all want to hear good things, but sometimes we need to hear. And so there's that fine balance, though. Uh, and, and in the Dhammapada, there's a, there's a Dhammapada verse about just being silent doesn't make someone a wise person. It's, it's the balance. It's knowing when you need to speak and when, and when to stay silent. So then we can go back just to the, priest, to the uh, precepts. When you know our speech is is really the thing that's most talked about in the precepts. So in the first five precepts, we we're, we're, we commit to the training of not telling an untruth, of not lying. But then when you take the eight precepts, it's not lying. It's not uh, having a uh, angry speech or a harsh speech, and it's not talking, uh, not having idle chatter. So, uh, did I leave one out? I don't know. I think that covers all of it. Um, so, it, and the one about idle chatter is the one that, oh, that's the one we probably all feel like we could, we could watch. So, those are the kinds of speech that we train to, to refrain from. So we know we're always training. We don't have to beat on ourselves when we, you know, want to sit around and chat with people uh, idly. But we know that the, our goal is to not just be uh, running off at the mouth, talking about other people. And idle chatter to the Buddha, it, there's, a, there's a big list. It includes things like talking about what we would call talking about celebrities. It was about talking about royalty and uh, you know wealthy people, uh, so there are lots of rules. They're just you know it, it, you don't talk about politicians, you don't talk about royalty, you don't talk about other people, uh, and it just goes on and on the things we shouldn't talk about. But the when we talk about uh, silence, when we talk about idle chatter and the 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 virtue of silence. We have to have a balance. So we need to know when we can't, it, so we can become really, uh, it's, it almost becomes either passive-aggressive or just ignorant to not speak at certain times. If you're in a group of friends and they start talking uh, in a way that you're really uncomfortable with, either the language or maybe what they're talking about, and, and you just sit there and listen to it, you know, you, then you feel kind of dirty afterwards. And it might not be anything <coughs> terrible, but it's something that you wish you hadn't been a part of because your silence, you realize your silence is, uh, is telling them it's okay to talk about that. And it might be something, maybe it's a friend of yours they're talking about or you might just want, you may need to just say, oh, you know, I've, I just realized I have another appointment, I've got to go, and leave. And sometimes your leaving is enough for them to know that you are uncomfortable with it. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. But sometimes it's good to say, you know, I'm not comfortable talking that way about someone. It's maybe if you have a problem with that person, a good thing would be to go and talk to them about it. I mean, sometimes we need to step up. Uh, and, of course, then we have to look at the... When we do talk, we have to look at, uh, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? What's the THINK acronym is one. Uh, I can't think of what the H is. Helpful. Helpful. There we go. So... Uh, the qualities that we need to have in mind before we say something. So if, if you're, instead of getting really uh, kind of pissy with the people that you're with, if you don't like the way, who they're talking about or things they're saying, instead of getting angry and upset with them, think about, can you say something that might be helpful? Because there may be other people in the conversation who don't really are uncomfortable with the way it's going. So, the, the, but those are examples of when silence is maybe we have to be careful about the 
rules for our speech, but silence isn't always the best choice to make. So I think with all the, with all the rules to be, uh, so think is to be, what is the T? The T is being truthful, oh, of course, truthful. I'm thinking being thoughtful, no. So truthful, helpful, uh, Informative? I don't know about informative. Uh, necessary and kind. So we, so those are things we want to think about. So that leaves us a lot of time where we can practice silence, just thinking about those things. Because uh, I know, you know, at the end of the day, we look back over what we've done, and usually it's what we've said to someone that we wish we hadn't said. Uh, that you know, that's uh, that's the big one. And it, and if you were with family over the weekend, that's always a good time to sit back at the end of the day and think about <laughs> if I just hadn't said that thing, maybe, or it might be, uh, you know, even laughing at a joke that you don't want to laugh at. You know, that's that's being silent. That might have been a situation if. If there was something like that, or the jokes got a little bit carried away with stuff that you weren't comfortable with, instead of joining in or laughing, if it's if you can be kind and truthful and not have, not feel like you had to join in with something that you were uncomfortable with, and that goes for other situations too. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Just watch your speech and watch your silence. Thank you.